the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Rafa, you're my healer. For by your stripes I've been set free. Jehovah Shammah, you are with me and you supply all my needs. You're more than enough. You're more than enough. You're more than enough for me. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. And in Colossians, we have the response of God to this battle that's been going on. Listen to what it says in Colossians 2.15. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him, literally on the cross. When Jesus was saying, it is finished, he was saying, the battle is over. Ronald Wallace says, the hour of his death was the hour of which he emerged in the final assault and came to the closest grips with his satanic enemy. It was the hour when the powers of evil were forced to stand and stake everything in one decisive battle. That's where it was all taking place on the cross. That's why we call it Good Friday, because on Good Friday, when Jesus hung on that cross and he breathed his last breath, he delivered the final victorious blow to Satan, and the battle was won. That's what it says in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. Since therefore the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That's the devil. And deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. The devil is a defeated foe. As a matter of fact, I like to say uh, anytime the devil's on your back, anytime he's after you, anytime you feel like you're being oppressed by his temptations, you just look at him and say, go to hell. Because that's where he belongs. Because he's defeated. In case you don't understand that, Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-five. He says, death, where's your victory? Death, where's your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The best way I've heard to understand this is through an illustration I heard from Dr. Tony Evans years ago. He talked about this little boy that was out in his backyard playing basketball. Everything was fine until he saw this little tiny bee just flying around his face. And you know how bees are. He was just buzzing. He would get closer and closer. And the boy began to panic, and he cried out, Dad! Dad! And his dad came running outside thinking something terrible had happened. He said, what's wrong? And he realized his little boy was just afraid of this bee. And so the dad kind of smiled. He took his big old fatherly hands. He looked for that bee. And in a moment, he just clapped them together. His son got the biggest smile on his face because that bee had been caught by his daddy. He was safe now. And then his dad did the unthinkable. He opened his hands 
And that bee began to fly around, and it buzzed around his little boy's face again. And the little boy said, Dad, what are you doing? And his dad held up that big old hand. He said, oh, son, you don't need to worry. See, that, that bee only has one stinger. And I took his stinger. He can't do anything to you. Now, let's read those words from 1 Corinthians 15 again and see if they have meaning. The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus said, it is finished, he said, Satan, you give me your biggest blow, but it's not enough. It's over. It's done. It's finished. His suffering was finished. His submission to the Father and obedience to his command was finished. His battle with Satan was finished. But his sacrificial act was also finished. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he was just doing what had always needed to be done in light of sin. Remember why Jesus came. We know his purpose. That's the great thing about the Bible. We've got the purpose statement of Jesus. Why did he come? Can I give it to you? To seek and to save the lost. Let's say that together. To seek and to save the lost. So here's the magic question. Who are the lost? You you know, if you've been around church like I have, that, that may be an easy question. But if this is a new thing to you, that's kind of confusing. What do you mean the lost? Who are the lost? Well, obviously, a, a lost person is someone who's not been yet a found person, right? We understand lost and found. We get that from being a child. So something that is lost is not found yet. Biblically, that term lost is used to describe someone who is lost in their sin. Remember what we said about our great-grandparents, Adam and Eve, because they sinned? Now we're all sinners. Not only are we born with sin, but that sin separates us from God. And from the beginning of time, God has said the only way that sin can be punished is through death. Now in our home, we have children that have come through our home now from 26 down to 9. The older ones, a lot of their punishment is between them and God. This 9-year-old little girl, she's got a head of her own. So this week, we had to talk about some punishment. And she talks about it in this term. Are there going to be consequences? (laughs) Dad, are there going to be consequences? And the answer is, yes, there's going to be consequences. Now, in all of our homes, we probably deal with consequences differently, don't we? Some spank. Some don't believe in that. They just do time out. Some take things away. Could you imagine if the consequence for any time you did anything wrong was, all right, death penalty? Well, it kind of is. In, In God's order of things, When we sin in any way, the only right punishment is death. But aren't you thankful that God is loving, that God is gracious, that God does not want us to perish in death? And so early on, early in the Bible, we begin to see that God made a way out. And he said, all right, something's got to die because you guys are blowing it. But why don't you go get that bull and, and, and just kill the bull and that shed blood of the bull. That'll be the covering for that sin you just did. The next time he said, hey, go get a goat over there. And, and you just, you slit the neck of that goat. And uh, that'll cover these sins, you know, because somebody's got to die. Or maybe go get that lamb. I'm doing my, my Bible reading. And man, it's got me in Leviticus right now. Pray for me. Leviticus. This morning, early this morning, I was reading Leviticus 14. You know what it's talking about? It's, it's what I just talked about. It's talking about these atoning sacrifice. When, when a person sinned, they, they had to sacrifice an animal and, and shed that blood, which means that animal had to die to, to atone for or to make right their sin. 
Um, two days from now, I'll be in Leviticus 16. And in Leviticus 16, it talks about the Day of Atonement. And the Day of Atonement, the high priest, once a year, he covers all the sins of the whole nation. And, and so he brings in two goats. And one goat, he slits his neck, and, and that goat dies, and the blood's everywhere. And then the other goat, he takes the blood from that first goat and, and rubs it on the head of the one goat. That goat's called the scapegoat. And he says to the nation, to the people of Israel, your sins have been transferred onto him. And then someone is assigned the task of taking that goat out into the wilderness. No one ever sees that goat again. Somebody always has to die for sin. When, when Jesus died on the cross, he was your scapegoat. Your sins and my sins were put onto him. He died in our place. His sacrifice was for us. But when he said, it is finished. He was saying, there's not going to be any more sacrificing. I've done everything that needs to be done. Now, the early church understood this. And so in Hebrews chapter 10, the writer of Hebrews says, every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for one time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he's perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Do you understand that that's what Jesus did for you? That's serious sacrifice. Paul talks about it again in Colossians 2 and verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. In other words, just not to give you a definition of that term right here, right now. But what he's saying is regardless of what family you were born into, regardless of what culture you're from, you're never going to be enough on your own. Never, never, never enough. But God made alive together with him, Jesus, having forgiven all us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set, nailing it to the cross. Jesus finished his suffering. Jesus finished being submissive to the will of the Father. Jesus finished his battle with Satan. Jesus finished the sacrifice. And then he said, it is finished. But that even has different meaning than it does for us. Because as Jesus cried out in what would be the Koine Greek of the day, the language everybody spoke, what he actually said, and history records it, he said one word, Tetelestai! Tetelestai! Everybody would understand that. Because everybody had gone to get some bread, and there had to be an exchange. And, and when they paid for the bread, the shop owner would say, Tetelestai. It's paid. Paid in full. We know that some people took on debt even back then. And when you took on debt, you would make payments. But the purpose of taking on debt is to eventually pay it off. And when that debt would be paid off, think of it like a deed that you might have for your home. When you've paid it off, you're going to get a piece of paper. And on that, it would have said, Tetelestai, paid in full. It was a word that could mean mission accomplished, but it was primarily an accounting word. And God was letting us know that there had been a business transaction that just took place. See, the reality is we've already established all of us have a debt that we could never pay, a sin debt. It's a big debt. Let me illustrate it. Let's pretend for a second that as soon as we finished here in church, we decided we're all going to go over to Indian Rocks Beach and just line up along the seashore. And there we are. Some can swim, some love the water, some can't swim, some hate the water. But we've got one assignment. All of us at the same time on the count of three, we're jumping into the water and we're swimming to Texas because it's right over there on the other side of this water. I mean, theoretically, right, you could swim from Indian Rocks Beach to Texas. But some of you are looking at me like, 
What you talking about, Willis? Uh, you know, what, what's going on in, in your mind? Why do you think we can do that? Because no matter how good we are at swimming, we will all fall short. No matter how strong we are in endurance, none of us will endure. And that's the way it is with our sin debt. But we're not trained to think that way. We're trained to think if you just go to church, if, if you maybe put something in the offering, or if you pray, or if you sing like you mean it, that that kind of pays on your bill. But if you think that, You've just misunderstood the whole concept because the the concept is that sin creates this debt that we can never pay because the only way sin is paid for is by death. (laughs) And so when Jesus died on the cross, this was a business transaction because Jesus, the only one who's ever walked this earth who never sinned, he took on the sins of us all. He endured the wrath of God. He hung in shame and experienced pain so he could pay our debt. Remember where we started? We feel like we'll never have enough because we won't. We feel like we'll never be enough because we aren't. We feel like we'll never do enough because we can't. But when Jesus said it is finished, he was saying, I know who you are. I, I get you, and I'm more than enough. When Jesus died on the cross, he took our insufficiency, and he covered us. Don't raise your hand, but some of you know that word, insufficient, because you get a little notice. Maybe today it's like even a text message that says, alert, insufficient funds. That's not a message you want to get, because what that's telling you is there in your account, there has been a debt created. And unless something covers that debt, you're going to be in trouble, because what's in the account is insufficient to cover the debt that's been created. When Jesus died on the cross, what he was saying to you and me, hey, you were born into this world with insufficient funds. Nothing you do in your life will cover the sin debt that's been created. The only way you're going to make it out of this thing alive is if you allow someone who has sufficient funds to cover you. So when Jesus said, to tell us die, what he was saying is, the transaction is complete. I've taken and given you my funds. My youngest son, forgive me, son. My youngest son is a godly, talented, incredible young man. And because of that, really through high school, most of our focus for him is to be able to use those talents and skills that God's given him. In other words, uh, he's, um, he got up early this morning and worked, but he's not worked a whole lot for pay. <laughs> but he's extremely generous. And so as I look at his accounts, I begin to notice something a while back. Like, son, you, you went over to Zaxby's. I know you did not eat $18 worth. He said, oh, oh no. You know, I was there with such and such, and he really didn't have much. So I said, I got you. I said, oh, that was sweet. That was kind. And then I noticed over here, man, you ate at Pollo Tropical. <laughs> but I'm confident it didn't cost you $25. And he said, oh, no, I was with you. And I, they didn't have any such. He said, I got you. And eventually I had to say, well, here's the problem. Because you keep saying, I got you, but you ain't got nothing coming in. And so you ain't got nothing coming in, but you got stuff going out. And so I have to get you. The only way you can say I got you is because I'm getting you. I'm covering your account from my account. And here's the deal. When Jesus said it is finished, he was saying, I got you. Whatever you need, I got you. He paid it all, all to him we owe. Our sin, it leaves a crimson, red, nasty, stinking stain. But by his grace, he makes it white as snow. Listen to this. He paid for those lies that you tell. 
He pays for that stuff you steal, even the stuff you steal from him, because he said everything you have came from him. He paid for your adultery, sir, ma'am. He paid for those impure thoughts that you struggle with. He paid for those stupid things you did when you were drunk or high. He paid for that abortion that you grieve over. He prayed for your lack of love of his word. Prayed for that void of prayer in your life. He, he, he prayed for that anxiety that you battle with, even though, though he told you don't be anxious. When we sing, Jesus paid it all, all to him we owe, we mean he paid for everything. Bearing shame and scoffing rude. In my place condemned he stood. Sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah. What a savior. Lifted up was he to die. It is finished was his cry. Now in heaven exalted high. Hallelujah. What a savior. So what does this mean? (laughs) If you don't get the message, here it is. Jesus finished. There's nothing left to do. We want to live a life that honors him out of the fruitfulness of our life. That nothing you do is going to make you better in his eyes. That's the difference between us and every other world religion. Your Muslim neighbors, they believe in the five pillars of Islam. And if you go through those five pillars, you're, you're going to be okay, regardless of where you lived. Monday in Nashville, I got in an Uber. This kind man was from a country, believe it or not, I had never heard of, between India and some other countries. And so we, we got to talking about faith. His English had seemed good. But when I, I said, well, you know, what is the faith practice there in that country? Because that was an easy end for me because um, I had not heard of the country. He said, oh, it's, it's, it's Buddhist. Most, most people are Buddhist. And, and so I thought, good, he's, he's listening. And I said, are, are you, uh, do you practice Buddhism? I mean, do you follow the noble eightfold path? Because in Buddhism, if I just do these things, no matter who I am, I'm going to be okay. All of a sudden, his English got real bad. Oh, sorry, don't understand. Sorry. <laughs> but the difference is in Christianity, it's not about what you do. It's about what he's done. And, and he's already finished. So, Jesus finished. But here's the deal. We're not finished. Right? We're not home yet. So here we are, kind of in limbo a little bit. We're sinners. We've got to decide if we're going to rely on his finished work. If we're going to look at the cross. And here's the good news. Thanks to Jesus, we can all finish strong. And thanks to Jesus and his finished work, his accomplished mission, we can finish strong. But it's not going to be through going to a church class or first communion or confirmation. It's not going to be by raising your hand or just walking down an aisle or even being dipped or dunked in a tank of water. It's not going to be by saying a magic prayer. It's going to be by coming to the cross of Christ where we recognize the ground is level and looking at the finished work of Jesus and say, you finished So I'm going to trust you. I'll never have everything I need, but you are everything I need. I'll never do everything I need, but you've done everything I need. I'll never be everything I need, but you are everything I need. You are more than enough. (laughs) Friend, you've got to learn to look to Christ. If, if If just those of us that have gathered together today 
made the commitment, we're going to look to Christ. Man, we would change Tampa Bay and we would begin to touch the world. Because listen to this, in Christ, we learn how to endure suffering. We don't walk around saying everything's great, but we learn to endure suffering because he suffered in our place. In Christ, we learn to submit to God's will. It's not always easy to obey. It's not always easy to do what he asks. But when we look to him, we learn to submit to God's will. In Christ, we stand victoriously over Satan. Here's the deal. He's still buzzing around your face. He's wreaking all kind of havoc in your life, in your marriage, at your workplace. He's trying to show off, but he is defeated. And when you remember that you are in Christ, you stand victoriously over Satan because in Christ, we are saved. So the question just becomes, are you in Christ? If you're in Christ, you always have what you need. You always be what he wants you to be. And he'll empower you to do what he wants you to do. Because he's more than enough. First time I heard those words in that song from the Brooklyn Tabernacle Singers. And I thought, yes, this is what I need. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, you're more than enough for me. Jehovah Rapha, you're my healer. For by your stripes I've been set free. Jehovah Shammah, you are with me and you supply all my needs. You're more than enough. You're more than enough. You're more than enough for me. And he is. But there's a little bit of a catch. Before the one who finishes work on the cross can be more than enough for you. You've got to declare bankruptcy. You know why bankruptcy, those laws, chapter 11, chapter 7, why they were created? Because even though it's not good, some people get into a setting they will never get out of on their own. And so the government literally created a law that makes a way out. Jesus is more than enough for you. But you've got to declare bankruptcy. You've got to let him know, I can't do this without you. You've got to let him come in and take control. So let's do that now. Would you bow your heads with me? We're about to enter into one of the most important few minutes of your week. So I ask you just to stay with us and to stay focused. I, I believe with confidence there are people here today that are not yet followers of Christ. I want to give you the opportunity to follow Jesus today. And then I want you to hear me because we don't do this every week. Immediately after I do that, I'm going to tell you how you can come tell one of our pastors that you've done that. I think that's important. Jesus said, if you profess me before men, I'll profess you before the Father who's in heaven. But if you deny me before men, if you're not willing to stand with me before men then it's clear you didn't really mean it and I'll deny you before the Father in heaven so I believe that Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost I believe that lostness occurs when our sin debt our sin debt has not yet been met by by what Jesus did And, and so I believe that there are likely some who are lost right here if that's you I think you know it I think you know there's never been a time where you truly trusted Jesus I'm going to ask you to do that right now. 
And this is what the Bible says. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Just call upon the Lord and you're saved. That, that's why even a child like sweet little Brooke can understand. Because it's understanding that I'm a sinner that has a debt I can't pay. And there's a Savior who's covered my sin debt. But you've got to tell him, I want you to be my Lord. I want to receive your forgiveness. Now, here's what I think, just based on how our world looks. Not only are there people in this room who need to do that, there are probably members of our church who need to do that. And so now you're beginning to struggle with, man, that's embarrassing, I don't know. Listen, this, is, this either is a lie or it's the most important thing that we ever deal with in our life. And so our momentary pride really doesn't have anything to do with this moment. So if that's you, I want you to cry out to God. And you can do that in your own words. You could, you could even pray a prayer or something like this if you wanted to. Jesus, I need you. I know I'm a sinner. I can't pay the debt. I believe you died for me. And I know you're alive today. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.